Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we have another haunted hotel for you, and it's called the Crescent Hotel. I am very excited about this one because I hadn't heard of this one before. Had you? I hadn't heard of it in that it didn't ring a bell to me, but one of the stories that we're going to talk about, I had heard of. I just didn't associate it with the hotel. That makes sense. Yeah. Our original idea was to do a haunted hotels episode, plural. But then we really got sucked into the history and the ghosts at this particular hotel. And there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm into it. I've never wanted to go to Arkansas before, but now it's making me want to go visit. That's fair. So the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa comes up on like every haunted hotels list. And some even say that it is the most haunted hotel. Uh, (laughs) It's located in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And it was built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad. The area was chosen because it was beautiful and it overlooked the valley. But interestingly, it was also because of the healing waters of the Ozarks. Hmm. Well, we've talked about special water before in one of our other episodes, but this one (laughs) became really famous. And so people were traveling from all over to go to this area because of this particular water. So what people thought is that it could cure their ailments and also ease pains. Okay. It could just be generally that hydration is good for you. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. But because everyone was flocking to the water, they're like, let's make some money off of this and make this massive resort. So their goal was to create the most luxurious resort in the country. And that's what they worked on. There's only so luxurious that you can be in the 1800s in my mind, right? Like there's just like, (laughs) it's a high bar for me to see something that's built then as luxurious. Well, when you look at this one, right? Like I think it's gorgeous. I guess for me, luxury is on the inside, not the outside, because it can be pretty all day. But if it's not like gorgeous and comfortable, then it's not luxury to me. That's fair. So construction began in 1884, and some of the stonemasons were brought all the way from Ireland because, again, they wanted top quality. Features included things like several towers, overhanging balconies, a big stone fireplace in the lobby room, modern plumbing, steam heating, an elevator, a giant dining room that could seat more than 500 people, a swimming pool, landscaping, luxurious decorations and there's like there's still like a whole bunch more but those are just some of like the things that stuck out to us the cost of the hotel was 294,000 to build and today that would be 9,357,019.15 which is actually incredibly cheap for a hotel that looks like this i think so you could not build this hotel today for 9 million dollars no no So two years after they began construction, on May 20th of 1886, the hotel opened. And when it did, people flocked to it. They even had a spa with the healing water and people loved it. 
But after the turn of the century, people started to realize that the fancy water wasn't everything they'd hoped it would be. And little by little, the foot traffic to the hotel slowed down. And after they'd slowed down, not surprisingly, the hotel changed a bit. And so the hotel went through many changes, including it was used as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women from 1908 to 1924. But it continued as a resort during the summers. And I just can't even like explain to you the difference in vibe that would be. (laughs) Right? Like I'd never heard of a place doing that where it's two separate things depending on the season. Like it makes sense, but I just hadn't really thought about that. This is wild conjecture, but in the summers, we're we're fun times. And in the winter, we oppress women. Like, that's just kind of the (laughs) vibe that I would imagine. Because when you look at it, it doesn't look like a place for, like, liberal women's studies, right? No. It doesn't have that kind of vibe. But when the revenues from tuition and the summer guests were not enough anymore, they closed the women's college. It then sat abandoned for six years until it opened as a junior college from 1930 to 1934. We talk about this all the time where we'll have hotels that have some period of inoperation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it has to be expensive for something like that to just sit just in like just in taxes. That's yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. This is a massive area. Yeah. So as we said, it went through many changes. And a couple years later, it went through what we called the Baker era. And in 1937, a man named Norman Baker turned into a cancer hospital and health resort. When you put health in front of resort, I'm immediately suspicious. Same, same. So he advertised miracle cures that didn't require surgery or invasive testing. I just need you to tell everyone what one of the catchphrases (laughs) on the signage was, because this is like one of my favorite things about it. So they made like posters to advertise it, and we'll, we'll share them too. And it looks like this, you know, big resort. And it says, we cure cancer, tumor, without operation, radium, or x-ray. And then, like, one of the little circles in it says, we do not cut out any organ. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the idea that you could get rid of someone's cancer without removing an organ is an exciting thing. The phrasing. The way it's pronounced in the poster is like, and you won't lose an organ. It's very like, I'm giving you a hard sell on this. You can just say cure cancer. People are going to be happy already. Yeah. But it was just like, and we won't take your organs. Like, it's just, it's the font. It's the delivery. I expect a happy face emoji afterwards. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's not a whimsical font. It is a humorous font. One might say it's Comic Sans, like, it is older, sophisticated sister that is that does not have her life together. Like, that is the font that says, and we won't take your organs. Yes. And I mean, not having your life together piece makes sense for this man. So <laughs> he also advertised that the patients would walk away from the resort cancer free, which is really, really awesome if it, you know, worked. I'm, I have a bad feeling because this was 1937 and we don't have a cure yet. Yeah, yeah. So about that, it turned out to be an elaborate scam. Norman had no medical training and he had actually been convicted in Iowa in 1936 for practicing medicine without a license. When looking more into him, I found um, a very colorful past of careers, including things like a hypnotist, an illusionist, I need you to say it right. It's illusionist. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Illusionist. (laughs) Radio broadcaster. The inventor of a portable organ called the air calliophone, which ran on air pressure. And then he ran for, at one point, U.S. Senate 
and governor of Iowa, but luckily he lost both elections. He had a wide array of dreams. He did. He did. So while operating this health resort, he was also selling elixirs for different ailments, including cancer. And the American Medical Association had condemned the elixirs. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Right? While he was operating the scam hospital, he was also being investigated by federal authorities. He was finally arrested in 1939 get this, for mail fraud, which is how he was also selling the elixirs is through the mail. I cannot imagine the US, like USPS system of mail being delicate enough to transport an elixir from one state to another. (laughs) Right, right. I can't even send things without things being broken. But I mean, these little bottles, maybe, maybe they're like thicker glass than like today's bottles. Yeah today's like mail sorting system is like heavily automated so any package that is a box and not an envelope has to be able to survive a five foot drop that was not the case then i'm assuming no and now they do ask if there's liquids in there so oh that's fair it's because of the elixirs it's because of the elixirs i would love to have like a goth usps person be like are there any potions or elixirs in here Oh my gosh, that should be another thing. Like a little mail truck and someone asking, are there potions or elixirs? Are there any potions or elixirs in here? With the accent somehow. Yeah, I don't I don't know what type of accent it is, but it's the same cadence in which you say illusionist. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, a US postal inspector estimated that Baker made around $500,000 a year selling these miracle elixirs. Elixirs. I'm gonna need you to say it. Miracle elixirs. Like, you have to say it in the, in the, whatever it is. It's, it's what sells it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sell, selling these miracle elixirs through the mail while he was in Eureka Springs. Perfect. Just case. <laughs> Perfect. So Baker was convicted to serve only a four year sentence in Leavenworth. And so, like, for me, I'm like, oh, four years is not a lot of time. But Leavenworth had serious people in it. Machine Gun Kelly was there. <laughs> a notorious gangster was there. And oh, I forget his name. But the guy who was like the first person on the FBI's like top 10 most wanted list was on there. And, and then this guy with his elixirs. <laughs> yeah. And then Baker's miracle elixirs. You know, he, he was there, too. <laughs> what a time. What a weird crowd. Okay. <laughs> what 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 an array of humans. <laughs> Through the investigation though, this is sad. They found that he had defrauded cancer patients out of approximately 4 million dollars. Get fucked. You have to be a particular brand of asshole to mm-hmm. be able to I mean generally to do the whole snake oil bit and like sell someone a, a fake cure is generally awful, but the idea that it's a person who is dying. Yeah. And you're like Oh, I can cure this. And you know you can't. Right. Right. So it's very, very sad in that sense. Yeah. No one technically died from his elixirs or treatment, but they probably died faster because they weren't actually getting real treatment. Well, also, I would wonder, how are they measuring that? Is it that they weren't dying immediately? Is it that they died at a time that would be reasonably expected from a cancer patient but maybe that wasn't their time right well they probably could have had more time if they had real medical doctors helping them hopefully yeah hopefully not all of them i'm sure but you know some of them could have yeah 
So through records, it's thought that about 40 people were taken from the hospital to the mortuary during the 20 months that Baker operated this hospital. Oof. During the 1940 court case, the ingredients of the elixir were revealed. You ready for this? We have the ingredients. No one make this. This truly is a fucking potion. It is. It is. Before you get into these ingredients, when you say elixir, I think thing I drink. Isn't that what you thought? Right. And I'm not sure if maybe the ones through the mail they did drink because like, who's going to do this? You know, I mean, people inject things. I know. But like back then, could you just like go and get a syringe somehow and inject yourself with the stuff? I am not optimistic about syringe sterile, like how sterile syringes were in the 1900s. Right. So let's talk about these ingredients real quick. There was brown corn silk, red clover, ground up watermelon seeds, peppermint, glycerin, and carbolic acid. Very strange mixture. And some documents say that patients were injected with this cure seven times a day. That's a horrifying amount. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in 1944, this asshole was released and moved to Florida, because of course he did, where he lived the rest of his life until he passed away in 1958. There are a lot of other things that happened with this particular person, but we're just sticking to his relation to the Crescent Hotel. So continuing on about the hotel, over the next year, the hotel changed hands a few times and repairs and restorations began. But in 1967, a fire swept through the fourth floor and the South Wing destroying most of it. In 1997, Marty and Elise Roenick purchased the hotel and pledged to, quote, have it back to where she was 100 years ago. And on September 6th of 2002, they succeeded in this goal. It took $5 million in renovation to do it. And of course, what are we going to talk about other than medical horrors but ghosts? <laughs> And you kind of have to know the hotel to explain why there could be some spooky shit there. Right. So staff and guests both began to report seeing unexplained things. The most cited apparition is of a red-haired stonemason. You know, red hair like mm -hmm. Irish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the staff calls him Michael. And it's believed that he was one of the original Masons who worked on building the hotel in 1885. Now, when he was working on the roof, he lost his balance and fell to the second floor area where he died. And this area is now room 218, and it is said to be the most haunted guest room. And if this is the most haunted hotel, that means this is the most haunted guest room, period. <laughs> like, anywhere. Right? It sounds terrifying, though. Oh, for sure. So Michael is said to be mischievous, and he likes to play tricks with lights, doors, and the television. Some folks have also said they've heard pounding on the wall. We've talked about this in another episode, but it does really creep us out. Some say that they have seen hands coming out of the bathroom mirror. Mm -mm, I can't. I think we talked about how it's terrifying when you're staying in a hotel that you know is haunted and you have to close your eyes for any reason, like watching your face. Yes. But like this takes the cake. Like if someone said, oh, shit comes out of the mirror. No. Mm -mm. No, thank you. I can't. Like, I like to visit, but I'm not going to stay in a situation where I need to close my eyes. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, go to the car to wash my face off. But that being said, <laughs> though, could you imagine how helpful it would be to put on a pair of false eyelashes if there was a hand coming straight out to, like, help you? I don't think he'd do that. What if he gave you a nice face massage when you're washing your face? You should go there, Lindsay. Tell me how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh michael can you help me put on false eyelashes i can't do it by myself he's like 
I don't know what the fuck those are, but no. <laughs> no, I absolutely can. Okay, will you give me a face massage? <laughs> also, no. <laughs> yeah, this 1800s ghost from Ireland. Look, maybe he wants to rub my face. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe i don't know if anyone's tried that so <laughs> look maybe <laughs> maybe that's what he's wanted this entire time was he was just reaching out for face to rub <laughs> maybe that's it that's it i could be that for him <laughs> you solved the case again i did you know me cracking a case so some people have even heard cries of what they describe as a man falling in the ceiling which, horrific. I can't imagine sleeping and hearing that. No. Guests have also reported things like being shaken at night. And there is a report of one guest leaving their room screaming and saying that there was blood splattered all over the walls. And obviously, there wasn't blood there when they went to check. I don't like it. So now, if you want to stay in what's called Michael's room, it's on their website. It has its own little area to book on the accommodations page. You know how you could be like, I want king room or I want a queen room. You can also book Michael's room. So these rooms are really neat, though. They still look like their original rooms in a sense. I mean, they've upgraded a little, but they tried to like keep the restorations old school, if that makes any sense. They've kept it relatively accurate as much as they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to point out one thing before you continue on. That when you were looking at Michael's room, the picture of it is of like a ghost stuffed animal, like on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Like a large ghost stuffed animal on the bed. <laughs> and he has a little hat. I love that they lean into it. They're like, we're haunted as shit. Come see the ghosts. Oh, yeah. Come see Michael's room. Come get a face massage. <laughs> yes, that's it. They need to add that to the website. Yeah. So another spirit is one of the nurses from the scam hospital. And she is often seen on the third floor dressed in white, pushing a gurney. Oh, I don't like it. She is only seen, however, after 11 p.m. So you'll have to stay up late to catch her. Is it late? Is that late? It's late for some people. I mean, not for me. That's like the prime of my day. But <laughs> <laughs> that's around when my Lindsay hour is, which is the hour before I go to bed where I do only what I want to do. It's a new thing I've instituted. Lindsay hour. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And you get this. The reason why people suspect that she's seen around 11 p.m.? It's because that's around the time that they used to move the dead out of the hospital. I don't like that they had a specific time, but like, I understand why they did. Yeah, most people are asleep, so it's easy to like move them without people walking the halls. Lindsay's just making a face. <laughs> no words. I'm dead in the eyes. I can't imagine working there and being like, oh, well, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. She is said to vanish when she reaches the end of the hallway. Some people have even said that they've heard squeaks and rattles that sound like a gurney being pushed down the hall. So if you don't see her, you at least hear the gurney. I dislike this more than the ghost hands. <laughs> this is what gets you? It is. I don't know why. It's just, I don't like it. No, no. So this third floor overall just sounds absolutely terrifying because... During the 30s, it's where the morgue was. And they even still have Baker's old autopsy table and walk-in freezer at the hotel now. I don't like this floor. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, but we would absolutely have to stay on this floor. I'm staying in Michael's room. I want a face massage. <laughs> I'm not going in that bathroom. 
but okay. That's fine. I'm going to come out with fucking amazing lashes and a relaxed face. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's set that up. <laughs> so <laughs> the laundry area is also located on the third floor. And one maintenance worker says that at one point, one evening, all of the machines kept turning on and off by themselves. And there's no reason why. Can you imagine how much you would be shitting yourself? I just feel like mm, I'm done for the day. Goodbye. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very fair. Calling in Jersey Devil. <laughs> Jersey Devil. Yeah. I, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, we've got gremlins in the machines and I'm not having it. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to Baker for a second and talk about this morgue. So in 2019, the hotel was working to extend a parking area at the north end of their 15 acres of property or to build an archery range. One of the two. We've seen both of them as we were researching. So they were either doing more parking or building an archery range as one does. (laughs) So when they began digging, they found some bottles that were kind of strange looking but they were like very clearly medical bottles. I feel like you can picture it in your head. Yeah, for sure. It's what you put elixirs in. So the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality and the Arkansas State Police were called in to ensure that it wasn't a crime scene or a burial site. And the ADEQ also took samples of the liquid inside of the bottles and determined that it was mostly alcohol and was safe to continue digging. But it turned out the bottles matched the advertisements for the cancer hospital. All in all, they found about 400 bottles there, and they included things like specimen jars that were still full. And when you look at the jars, it is clear that it is body parts, but it's not clear if it's from humans, if it's from animals. Also, there were some bottles that had the elixir in them, and they also found surgical tools. The bottles are on display in the morgue, and then they also do special events where they have more of the items available for like viewing and for people to see because they have like paranormal weekends and other types of events. Yeah. But also while they were digging all of this up, it became an archaeological survey. And some of the bottles were taken back to the University of Arkansas for analysis because they looked like they had human tissue in them and they weren't certain. Yay. Yeah. So after three years, though, the university didn't really get back to anyone with any information about the samples. I'm guessing just probably funding and things like that. Yeah. So a man named Larry Flaxman, who is a paranormal researcher, was given the okay to try to find a place himself to get them analyzed. And he ended up finding someone. And it was a surgical pathologist named Dr. Matt Quick, who agreed to meet with him over the project. After he was already rejected from several other people, they're like, Mm-mm, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> that sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I, I watched an interview with the doctor and it sounded like he was just curious. And so he's like, yeah, I'll dedicate my time to this. But anyways, he took the specimens out. And at first he was like, I thought it was a blood clot. It looked an awfully lot like a blood clot. But of course, we don't know if it was human or animal. So they did more testing. And he saw that some of them had muscle and connective tissue still attached. So what he said, because of that, it was in line with what a wound would be, not cancer. So like they cut out a wound. And I obviously am no doctor. So like, as he's describing, I'm like, you could tell me it could be anything. And I'd be like, okay, that's what it is. It's an aardvark. It's okay. Okay. Whatever you say. Sure. Sure it is. But the doctor described it as being in line with, quote, just regular surgical debridement of a wound, which is in common with bedridden patients. And he said, think like bed sores or pressure sores. Oh, Basically, 
what he suspects is that it was the removal of damaged tissue from one of those sores. Because other clues that he found were traces of cotton fibers, which were probably from gauze. And that's even now used, I guess, to pack those wounds. Yeah. And then it was also, this is sad, but it was contaminated with stool. Oh. Which makes sense for someone with bed sores back then because the technology wasn't there to keep them as clean. Or, you know, they didn't really understand how to keep it from happening as often as we do today. Yeah. So this didn't have anything to do with cancer. It was probably a bed sore that ended up needing to be surgically removed due to infection, was his guess. It is likely that these yokes were bedridden and weren't moving around them as much. And I can't imagine that they were getting like a top-notch standard of care. Right, right. And something that I want to point out is the doctor said, strangely, it matches routine medical care. So it's not cancer-related care, but it was done correctly, which is kind of odd because he had no surgical training. Dr. Quick was trying to be positive, and he was like, if we really wanted to take a positive spin on what was being done, we could say that it was an early medical trial for cancer, but I think he was just stretching. (laughs) Because, yeah, it doesn't sound like it was in any way positive. It sounds like it was just to scam people and take their money from dying humans, which is really, really sad. But one thing that I couldn't really find too much of, because remember in the flyer, it said like no surgery needed. I don't know if that counted towards it because it was like a different type of surgery because it was to stop infection or if these were being done post-mortem. So that he could have the little like jars full of them to show like, look, cancer, it's gone. It says we treat all ailments. We do not cut out any organ. And so they weren't removing organs. They were removing bed sores. That's fair. So I think that that's probably the difference is that they were like, we're not going to cut out an organ, but we're going to cut off other pieces. I think like he pushed for no surgery, but maybe like under certain circumstances when it was needed, they would do it. Yeah. Well, and also, there is a difference between surgery for tumor removal and then other surgeries, right? Yeah. So, remember earlier how we said that those bottles are on display? Mm-hmm. Well, ever since they displayed them, there's been even more paranormal activity in the morgue. And some people think that this is because some of the remains were disturbed. There are more reports of cold spots and even a dark figure. Don't like that. Some people have even seen Baker himself, and they say that they've seen him in the old recreation room located in the basement and the first floor staircase. He's dressed in a white linen suit with a purple shirt, and some say he looks confused, which I imagine he would be. Yeah, yeah. And that's his, like, signature style, too, by the way. Purple. (laughs) What a vibe. And typically people will see an old photograph, and that's how they'll recognize that they've seen him specifically. There's an area of the hotel that's called the Annex, which was built while it was a hospital. And some people believe that this area is a portal to another side. And multiple guests have become faint and even passed out briefly when in the area. That's weird. We've talked about a similar situation in another haunted hotel, but this place used to use an old antique switchboard. And they had to stop using it because they kept getting calls that were from the empty basement. And that is where Baker's patients were usually convinced to hand over their life savings for that miracle cure. (sighs) (sighs) I don't like it. That give you chills. I hate that getting a phone call from nothing. I don't like that. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, that's like it has a similar vibe to the phone call is coming from within the house. Exactly. Yes. Right. Like because it is it's just the, the phone call is coming. 
coming from within the hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And then they couldn't get it to stop. So they're like, I guess we just can't use the switchboard anymore. <laughs> Well, the, like, my thing is, is that I think that it's cute that they're like, well, the ghosts won't try to contact us if we don't use it. So there's another spirit in the hotel that has spoken with people. Ooh, I love this. So she sounds very sweet. And she introduces herself as Theodora and tells people that she's a cancer patient before she then vanishes. I don't like that. She's like, hi, I've got cancer. And then she's just gone. So Theodora has mostly been seen by housekeepers in room 419. In July of 2017, a woman named Debbie Baxter was in room 419 on a ghost tour. Her camera kept going off sporadically until the battery finally just drained itself. One of the photos that her camera took, though, was of a painting of Theodora, and it looks very strange. It almost looks like half the painting is skeletonized with the help of light, maybe, while the rest looks normal. But it, it looks like it's just like weird lighting, but it does look like half of her face is a skeleton. To me, that looks edited. Well, around the eye, like the weirdness. It could be. But anyways, weird picture. I saw it on a couple places. There's also a story about a couple who stayed in a room on the first floor near the governor's suite. Governor? On the second night of their stay, they slept with just the sheet covering them. During the night, the man woke in a sweat. Someone had covered both of them up with the comforter. I'm gonna just tuck you in, baby. And I was like, mm, maybe she got cold, right? <laughs> but apparently this happened three additional times that night. And they don't know who was covering them up. That's kind of sweet, though. That somebody was like, no, I'm going to just tuck you in, baby. <laughs> they're like, we're hot. Please stop. And they're like, I'm going to tuck you in. <laughs> Bitch, I said sleep fucking tight. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm good. I didn't stutter. Like they're Pulling up the blankets. <laughs> I more want to know, like, what extent would this ghost go to to cover you up? Like, if you took the comforter and, like, threw it in the closet, are you going to wake up with the comforter on? You're going to wake up to yourself covered and, like, you turn and the ghost is like, don't fucking try me. (laughs) (laughs) I've had enough of your shit, Amanda. (laughs) So whoever is always cold needs this particular room. Well, yeah, because they're going to keep you tucked in toy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Under any circumstance. No matter what. <laughs> no matter what. There was another couple who checked in one day in the springtime, and they were heading up to their room. And they say that they were stopped by a man wearing all black, and it was like an all black Victorian outfit. And the man asked if they needed help finding their room. So they assumed the person worked for the hotel and allowed him to show them to their room. They follow him and he leads them to room 221. He then takes their key, unlocks the door and holds it open. As the couple entered the room, the story says that the man, quote, stayed outside the door smiling and tilting his head from side to side. There's no version (laughs) of how one can imagine that statement. That isn't terrifying. I think of the smile from the movie Smile. Like the guy just sitting there with a Victorian outfit, huge smile, like terrifying, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, mm-mm. Nope, nope. So the, the couple enters the room, right? And then they immediately realize, oh my gosh, we didn't tip him. So they turned around to give him cash and he was already gone. They were so quick to be like, we just got to get in this fucking room and close the door. Like, this man is creeping me out. And they're like, we if we tip him, he'll leave. And then he's just gone. And they're like, gone is gone, baby. Yeah, exactly. You and your smile are out. I'm good. 
So the couple then hung out in their room for the day, and they didn't try to re-enter the room until that evening. I'm assuming they left for dinner or something. When they tried to go back into their room, their key didn't work. So then, of course, they had to march down to the front desk. And a staff member then noticed that they had been given the wrong key. And the key that they had was actually for room 321. So not the room that they had been in all day. When the person was like, well, how did you even get into your room? They described the man and the employee was like, we do not have anyone that looks like that working here. Have you ever gone into the wrong hotel room? I don't think I've been able to. Like the key just like doesn't work if I wanted to. So not that long ago, I was meeting Ben at a hotel and he had gotten there before me. And so he told me, check in with the front desk, like they will give you the key and you can just come up. So that way he didn't have to come back down. Yeah. And so I say who I am. They're like, oh, of course. And they give me the room number and they give me a key. And I'm like, great. And I walk upstairs and I go go into the room. I hear the shower running. And oh, no. What would you have done if you would have heard the shower running and you were walking into your husband's room? And like he knew I was coming, but he didn't know I was going to be there while he was in the shower. What would you do? Oh, I would try to scare him somehow. (laughs) So I definitely wouldn't try to scare him in the shower. But my inclination was to be like, hey, Ben, right? Like, it's me. I was about to announce myself. And I was opening my mouth to be like, ha. Like, I literally, ha, was in my, was in my throat when I turned the corner and I saw a pair of shoes. And I was like, those aren't Ben's. <laughs> and I held my hut in my throat and I did a scan of the room. And I was like, Ben doesn't have that cooler. That's not Ben's sweater. And then I backed the fuck out of the room. And you ran away. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine, though, like, if that person knew you had come into their room? So many things, like, went through my head. Was like, first, I'm so glad this man didn't come out. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because if you didn't expect someone to be in your room, you're just, like, dong out. I don't want that. And then, like, number one, oh, my God, I'm terrified for how embarrassed this other person would be. And, like, the unintentional flashing. Yeah. And then, secondly, that was a potentially dangerous situation for me. Say I went in and he wasn't there, right? And I and he didn't unpack anything. Because Ben isn't always the type of person who, like, takes his things out of his bag. He just leaves it in there when he's in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, for, like, a night or two. And what if I had been the one in the shower? Yeah. Like, what if he was, like, elsewhere and I was like, oh, he'll be up in a bit. And I just jumped in the shower and this strange person came back to their room. I could have been in danger. Or, like, say I could have gone in and that person would have been like, well, you're not leaving, right? Like, so many awful things could have happened from this scenario. So when I went to the room, Ben was doing something else. So he wasn't there. And I didn't know whether he would be there or not. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to hang out here. But, like... I looked to make sure it was his stuff yeah, in the room because I was like, well, now I'm a little bit scared. And I was like on edge. And when I told him what had happened, he was like, excuse me. And like he went down and had like intense conversations with the people in the lobby, like a host of terrible things could have happened. But it was it was a very scary like moment. Yeah. And I was very glad that I wasn't like on my phone, like not being aware and that I walked in and I was like, not his shoes. Not his sweater, not his things. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's that is a weird, weird thing to happen. Yeah, it was. I didn't like it. But so anyway, back to our story. All that to say, I don't know how much scarier it would have been if there would have been like a Victorian man who let me in who didn't stop smiling. At least there wasn't anybody else in that <laughs> room, though. You know, just standing there. And it was a th- yeah. Hi. 
Amanda and I are doing the smile back and forth. <laughs> Moving our head. So let's talk. We're going to talk more about ghosts. So when the hotel was a college, the son of the school's president was named Clifton Brecky Breckenridge Thompson. And when he was just four years old, he died after having complications from appendicitis. That's sad. Yeah, I know. So, so sad. He has been seen bouncing a ball in the hallways, but the second floor is his favorite hangout. He likes to hang out with children who check in, which mm, I love that. And they have described him by saying he lives here. He's got curly blonde hair. He was wearing weird clothes and he played ball with me. That's cute and so sad at the same time. So sad. They believed it was just another living child guest, not a spirit. This place is also home to some well-dressed ghosts, even though it is not in Baltimore. In the lobby, people have seen a man in formal Victorian clothes and a top hat. He's also been seen sitting at the bar. Also, this same well-dressed ghostie has been said to entice people into conversation, and then he'll just sit there quietly and not (laughs) respond. And then after a short time, he just straight up disappears. He's like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. He's like, you're boring. I'm out. Exactly. You are uninteresting to me. I will take my leave. (laughs) I'm in a fucking top hat. You better earn your conversation with me. (laughs) How rude, though, too. I love it. (laughs) The Crystal Dining Room is another hot spot, and people see other Victorian dress spirits there. They also see what's described as 1890s dancers, usually very late at night. I couldn't even describe that. I'd be like, there's some dancers doing things. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I have no clue what a dancer in the 1890s wore. Mm-mm, me either. Tell me, Google. <laughs> 1890s dancer. Well, whatever you were thinking, it's probably not that. <laughs> okay, let's see. <laughs> Just such an array of images. <laughs> <laughs> the pony one? Yes. How did you know? How did you know? Because I scanned real quick and then I was like, this is it. (laughs) They see a ballroom of that? (laughs) Okay, so when you type in 1890s dancer into Google Images, they have burlesque dancers and there's a person that has like half a horse costume. Like if you think like of a two person horse costume and you have just the front half and then the just the butt piece, that is this outfit. We will absolutely post a picture of this. Amazing. Amazing. What a that is what I hope they saw. A whole <laughs> fucking stampede of burlesque ponies from the 1890s. What a fucking vibe. And now I'm sad that I didn't know. I wouldn't be able to recognize until this moment what an 1890s dancer is because I would have had no words for what I was seeing if this is what they saw. I would have been like a pony that was like trying to be sexy, but also wasn't. It also looks like some of the photos though, when you go back, look like um kind of can-can dresses. Like if you imagine what that would be, what that would look like. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most of the pictures that pop up are like ballerinas, burlesque, or just like women in a ballet class. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, we needed to to look into that immediately. Pony burlesque dancers. There's also reports of a 19th century man sitting at a table near the windows. And when approached, he says, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I am waiting for her to return. How sad. He's been waiting forever. That's very sad. 
A former employee told the story of seeing a Victorian bride and groom in the giant mirror in the dining room, and the groom allegedly made eye contact with her before they disappeared, and she quit shortly after that. So the dining room spirits are also tricksters. Around Christmas one year, the employees came back to work to find that the Christmas tree and all of the gifts had been moved to the other side of the room. And not only that, but all of the chairs were moved into a big circle facing the tree. <laughs> they just had a Christmas party. <laughs> had a Christmas party. They were like, the tree looks better over here. We've been here so fucking long. We know best. And we all want to sit and stare at this tree. Why not? <laughs> Together. And then they also will come in to find that the that all of the menus will have been scattered ab- around the room, which that's just annoying. It is annoying, yeah. The Christmas tree one, I kind of laughed. I was like, how how funny would that be, though? Like, it's just a, an innocent prank. No one gets hurt. No big mess. It's just like, we prefer this over here now. It makes me think of the Ukrainian Christmas story that we told in our Christmas Monsters 3 episode, where we talked about the spiders. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just like very active Christmas spiders. Maybe. And then they sat to gaze upon the tree. <laughs> Although, you know, my um thoughts with like moving chairs. Oh, yeah. You don't like a moving chair. I don't like a moving chair. That's my limit. But we did like them enough to get them tattooed on our bodies. Absolutely. We did. Yes. Yes. Speaking of a chair, we have new merch. It's a ghost sitting on a stationary chair that Amanda drew. And it says ghost therapist. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love it. We do love ghosts and chairs. We do. We love a sitting ghost. We don't like them happening around us, but we like to think about them from time to time. We love the idea of ghosts going to therapy to work their shit out so that they can stop haunting people. Mm -hmm. They could use a ghost therapist here. They definitely could. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. But they love their ghosts there. So All of them? Most of them. Most of them. I mean, like, I would love Michael getting face massages. (laughs) You can stay in that room. Well, the kitchen, of course, also has its own ghost. And they believe it's a small boy. And he enjoys skipping around and sometimes drops pots and pans off of their hooks. So jarring. (laughs) Steve Garrison, a cook at the hotel, has seen the boy. And he described him as wearing old-fashioned clothes and knickers and pop bottle glasses. How old is Steve Garrison? I don't know. Why he had old-fashioned clothes, a pair of nickels, and pop bottle glasses. Is he a newsie? I hope so. <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> Knickers. I yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. So some people also report seeing a young female college student, and it's believed that she was pushed or she jumped off the balcony to her death. Oof. Guests have reported hearing her scream as she falls. So that's terrifying and sad. Yes. Other places with activity are said to be rooms 202 and 424, but I couldn't see exactly what happens other than just people report that weird things happen in those rooms. Well, here's another one you're going to love. There's even a ghost cat and his name is Morris and he was a big orange tabby cat. Oh, and this is adorable. I love a ginger boy. Right, I know. He was known as the hotel's general manager in the 70s. And when he died at the age of 21. Hell yeah. Right? More than 300 people attended his kitty funeral. And he was buried on property and it's complete with a headstone. That is more people than would attend my funeral. That's what I thought immediately when I read that. And I was like, 300 people do not like me. <laughs> but I guess all like the townspeople came to it because they all knew Morris. 
Yes, of course. And they have the cutest poem about him on a memorial plaque in the lobby. I sent it to Lindsay the second I saw it because I was like, this is the cutest thing I've ever read. Yes. Said something like, we may have ghosts, but we never had mice in it. And I thought that was so cute. Oh, I love that. But now guests feel him rubbing up against their legs. If you can't see what it is, it is just something rubbing against your leg. I mean, you know when it's a cat, I hope. Like, cats have a particular way of going around your feet. All that came into my head was that terrible urban legend that people can lick too. And I freaked myself mm. out. Like, I scared no. myself just now. I don't know if you saw my <laughs> face drop. Like, I was like, oh. I'm like, we're talking about kitty cats. And she's like, no. <laughs> I'm going to scare myself, so help me God. <laughs> Well, some paranormal investigators even believe that they have captured audio of Morris's purr. Hmm. Can you imagine hearing purring when there's no cat around? Like, that's actually... Yeah. That's not even scary or intimidating. That's just, like, fun. Adorable. So, this hotel, though, when I was looking through all the stories about the cat, they are very overall cat-friendly. And on the website, they have an entire blog post about all of the cats that the hotel has housed, or they say worked there over the years. Oh, hardworking babies. They are. And they were like, there's two that showed up and they decided to live here for a short amount of time. And I think one of them just wasn't a people cat. So they found a home that was less, you know, busy. Less people-y than a hotel. Yeah, yeah. But they just like welcome. If a cat's like, okay, I live here. They're like, okay, cool. You're the general manager now. I can't tell you how much... I love when I go into an establishment that is not an animal place. I mean, animal places too. But when I go into an establishment and there is a cat, like I love a shop cat. Me too. Me too. I think that's adorable. There's a bookstore around here that has cats. Yes. And then our, I mean, this is obviously a a pet place, but our vet has a bunch of like really old, just decrepit cats. And they're always all over the place. And there's one that I finally got to meet because she is blind. But her name is Cruella because she's black and white. Oh, my God. Stop. And she has like the biggest face, but a tiny little body. And she's super old. And I love her so much. Cruella. But it's cute because they come and they greet you when you walk in. They're like, you are here for your appointment. I also love the name of Cruella for a cat. I thought it was the cutest thing. She's adorable. I love her. Every time I go, I'm like, where's Cruella? Bring her to me. Yeah, fair. (laughs) So this could be Lindsay's favorite. I know she always gets into this. Around room 212, people believe that they smell tobacco. And this was the former office of Dr. John Fremont Ellis, who was the hotel's in-house doctor in the late 19th century. And he used to smoke his cherry pipe tobacco. You do know that I love a ghost scent. I know you do. I also love the idea of doctors that would come to you in the olden days versus now where you're like, I will drive across town, wait in this lobby, jump through these hoops to sit on this piece of paper chair thing and be uncomfortable versus like that little someone bringing their little bag in. (laughs) What a time. Yeah. And at the hotel even, right? A hotel in-house doctor. Would you have a ghost scent? Like, would you leave a scent around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely would. What would your scent be? So my personal signature scents are a mixture of Clinique's Happy and Bloom and then like two different Bath and Body Works body sprays that are coconut. One is coconut and one is vanilla. And it is the trio that makes up my individual scent. So sometimes I'm more coconut. Sometimes I'm more vanilla. Sometimes I'm more Happy and Bloom. But it's a mixture of the three. So I feel like that... (laughs) floral coconut vanilla situation 
Which sounds like a lot, but it works together. <laughs> That's Yeah, that works. That works. I don't know if I'd have one, but I feel like my house, even when I move, is going to smell like pumpkin because I always have pumpkin everything. Like I hoard all pumpkin candles and sprays and everything in the magical Halloween period. And then I use them throughout the year. Like people come over and be like, are these pumpkin scents? F- fuck yes, they are. And they will always be because Halloween is the best time of year. I'm also a very big <laughs> believer in like different scents for different rooms. So very specifically, my living room slash dining room are, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, some TJ Maxx home goods candle that's lava. I don't know what lava smells like, but this candle is amazing. I literally bought like an unspecified ridiculous amount of very large candles because they have like the massive ones and i was like i've never seen these vanilla in the bedroom then floral in the office area where i am or like a black current and then pumpkin or like warm scents in the velvet goat and which i think is just funny because the carpet's orange so like pumpkin orange okay and it's resident guest march what think about it i said this thing the resident guest during our video, I said this thing and you got really upset. <gasps> oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I immediately forgot how just the, the outrage in which I felt when Amanda referred to Jimison, our regular at the Velvet Goat, as a thing when he is clearly <laughs> just the star of the bar. Jimison and to a lesser extent, his girlfriend, Jamison. <laughs> I think Ollie was carrying her around like, what is this? he was and i was like it's jamison and he was like it's a flamingo i'm like yeah her name is jamison and he looked at me like i was just like made of dumb like he was like that's the name you come up with like every like he didn't say it but his face did like all the names in the world and jamison is what you came up with for this flamingo and i'm like it's jamison's girlfriend not wife girlfriend they're not that serious (laughs) he was like okay Lindsay, let's go watch tv now Let's go watch the sour grape. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get back to ghosts now. I guess. <laughs> there is said to be a ghost waiter who carries a tray around the halls. And that would suck. That would suck. Like, you're just stuck working forever, having to deal with this many people in a hotel forever. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of being stuck doing my job job as a ghost. I'm like, no one's paying me for this. <laughs> Absolutely not. The hotel itself sits on a hilltop that is predominantly limestone. Hmm. And many paranormal investigators believe that limestone has some special abilities that can absorb and release electromagnetic and psychic energies. Hmm. I like it. Right? And interestingly, some of the stones that were used to make the hotel are also made of limestone. And this may contribute to some of the paranormal activity within the hotel. Huh. I like it. So unlike a lot of other hotels where people report seeing ghosts, the Crescent Hotel really does embrace its ghosts. And they even offer their very own ghost tour. And there are so many good reviews on TripAdvisor about how fun the tour is. And if you head to their website, they even have some spooky pictures that people have taken on the grounds. And they they have a whole section of paranormal events that are coming up. One is a paranormal weekend where they host paranormal investigators and include guided investigations and access to the most haunted places on the property. And they also have seminars and other fun stuff. And we just missed them for this year. But Amanda and I were talking before and she's like, I've never wanted to go to Arkansas before I read about this place. And I'm like, I, yeah, I can't say I've ever been like, ooh, Arkansas. 
Mm-mm. And now we know someone who just moved like an hour and a half away from here. Mm-hmm. So we're already like, we need to go. Let's all go together to see this hotel. I need that face massage. Lindsay will get her face massage. I will not partake in that, but I will. I will hang out with Morris, though. We'll go chill with the like ghost nurse, see what's going on. Yeah, I'll have Morris. Oh, I will not be doing that. Morris, yeah. I get a weird vibe. I just want to see Morris. Morris and Michael, they're my man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many pictures of Morris, too. And like they have a plaque in their lobby. It's adorable. I love it. I love it. Well, if you've been to this hotel, we definitely want to hear. Did you see anything, hear anything, anything strange happen? Did you get a spooky massage from the mirror? <laughs> I hope not. But okay. Did Michael help you with your skincare regimen? <laughs> or your falsies? Your falsies? I want to know. Perhaps, perhaps. Your, your eyelashes. Man, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, if you do want to go on a ghost tour and you're in Arizona, we also have a ghost tour coming up on March 19th. Tickets are on sale. If they are sold out, we will take our link down at that point. But as of right now, when we're recording, there are still tickets available. Yes, yes. And it's next week. So we're excited. I'm stoked. I can't wait for you to be here. Yes, yes. I'm very excited to come. We are going to have all the fun and eat all of the food. I am so excited for the meats that Arizona has to offer. (laughs) That is what I'm excited about Arizona for. And seeing Amanda, but also meats. I mean, the meats probably come first. She's like, please make sure you go and you obtain all of the carne. <laughs> yes. 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 It, it will be here. Carne asada weekend. 100%. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys are going to see me at the ghost store. Like, Lindsay, what's that? I'm like, it's pocket meat. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to have pocket meat. <laughs> That will not be in the little ghost tour bags, by the way, because we did give goodies in our last one. We're not giving ghost tour yeah, meats. Yeah, there's no, there's no pocket meat in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a refrain from trying to put it in the baggies. Pocket meat. I'm making a note. Oh, no. No. <laughs> well, with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) Also, his well-dressed... Also, the same... When you say Theodora, I hear Theodosia. And Amanda's looking at me like I'm insane, which means she doesn't get my Hamilton reference. Mm-mm. One day. One day I'll have time to watch it. You act like by the time I saw it, I didn't already know every word just from listening to the soundtrack on Spotify, <laughs> just on repeat. Well. Ben and I are like mouthing the words when we were watching it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I've I've heard a couple of the songs, but I have not had time to watch it, which is really sad. I, ne- I need to. I keep forgetting that it exists. And then. That's fair. Someone will reference it. I'll be like, oh, I need to. And then I'll forget in 10 minutes. So. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I have a little list of like things I want to watch and look at and then I just keep adding things and being like it's on the list 
Mm-hmm. There's just so much. I don't. I don't have the time to consume everything. Right. Well, I have two lists. I have acceptable to watch while Oliver is home. I'd like to. Or awake and unacceptable to watch while he is awake. I need. I'm just waiting for him to stop. Now he's taking her out, so he's coming closer to me. I don't know if he'll be able to pick it up, or so. Oh, girl, we did let her out into the yard. She lives with. That's God's poop now. Oh no no no! I mean, the sound pickup. Oh, (laughs) that's God's poop now. (laughs) All right, weirdo. (laughs) That's going to be it. Um, I was going to say something to you. Oh, I was saying like there's acceptable to watch. Sorry, so that's God's poop. Oh. Yes, yes. My parents never did that. Like, I, they were like, it exists. My kids can watch it. <laughs> I think things have gotten a little more intense, though. Like, certain horror movies with the things that they show, because they've learned how to make it look more realistic these days. Ollie, <laughs> if we are even watching, like, a surgery show, mm-hmm. he gets, like, creeped out and then that hasn't caused bad dreams but some of the like even the scary previews before movies like we went and took him to ant-man mm-hmm. and they had a couple previews that i was like oh fuck and he's like this is too scary i think i would have been exiled from my family if i would have said that that was also like the 90s right like th- th- none of that was being monitored in the 90s i just don't want to have to share my bed because he'll come in at three in the morning and be like i had a bad dream during this episode if you are hearing what sounds like, I don't know, a party happening above me, I'm so sorry. I simply cannot control what is happening up there. And my requests have been largely ignored. <laughs> so what it is, it is. I can't. I can't do anything else. Denied. <laughs> when did we stop reusing needles is, is what I'm typing into Google right now. Reusable needles weren't like... F- Disposable syringes and needles started in the 1950s. Yikes. And the modern syringe was created in 1853. And I am, I am alarmed at the idea of what that means for this situation that people like, they also could have been sharing syringes between patients as well. I just thought of a, a name for a cocktail for the velvet goat, the Charlixer. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. <laughs> Can I just tell you, like, the idea that you're like, are you a fuckboy? Get. Like, that's it. Like, I'm like, why are you looking at me? Don't look at me. Look at your bride. That's the vibe I get from this whole situation. <laughs> I took it as creepy. Like, he, like, was looking at his bride and turned and, like, oh, I, like, I'm aware that you're watching me. And then left, like, disappeared to make it more frightening. Not, not whatever you had in mind. <laughs> I just thought it was more sinister. That he's with his Victorian Brian and he was like, sup, girl. It, that's how you see it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He went, sup, girl. <laughs> and she's like, I've had enough. Goodbye forever. Yeah. Like, she's like, fucking man. You know what I mean? And then just like, was out. <laughs> the ghosts here love an even numbered room. They do. Except I think Michael. Was it Michael 219? 218. 218. Oh, he could know. be 219. I let's could be go. wrong. Let, let's scroll. Let's scroll. Let's have 21 scroll pages. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Why do I laugh that way? <laughs> I hate my laugh. I always 
I want to delete some of them. What's wrong like, with me? What is this? I leave my doofy ass laugh all the time, but like it doesn't stop me from just knowing it's silly as hell. I once had it's it's four nineteen. I once had a coworker look at me like and just deadpan go, "Does anybody ever tell you you have a really weird laugh?" Oh, rude as hell. <laughs> I was like, "No, but you're not wrong." <laughs> And we're going to call it the Baker. And we're going to call it the the Baker, the Baker era. <laughs> Why did you have an, it's like a New York accent. The Baker era. The Baker. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay. Oh, God. No, let's go watch an assembly of the worst things that exist on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kids' things are weird. I told my brother, I was like, never let Olivia watch YouTube. Never let her pick her own things out. Ever. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Once you start, you're stuck. Then she knows she'll she'll, she'll get a taste for the children of YouTube. And they're awful. I mean, I'm sure they're fine if you're a kid, but I'm not a kid and I don't have children. Uh, no, no, it's bad. I mean, we wa- we won't let him watch specific things. Like, we're not like, watch whatever you want. But like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're not like the the popular kid stuff is dumb, dumb as hell. What's also like what's what's hard is that kids like things that are made by other kids. Right. Yeah. They suck at making things. And adults don't want to watch that. Yeah, like kids and kids are like, I am a child. Watch me open a toy, <laughs> which is fair. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. No, but she did discover a book about her husband. <laughs> oh my god, it's called the sour. So it's called the sour grape. And immediately, like, they, we didn't even get into like the meat of what the story was about. And I immediately looked at Ben, <laughs> and he was like, "What?" And he was making the face that the sour grape was making. And if you've ever read this story, you and you've met Ben, you're like, there is no difference between these two pictures. <laughs> Anywho, I need to buy him. I need to buy him sour grape merch. Oh my god! Like for his birthday or something, like a shirt with a big sour grape on it. Or I'm sure they make like a sour grape candle that exists. You know what I mean? Like that scent has to exist in the world. Because yeah, we got ideas. Or a Christmas or a Christmas tree ornament of the sour grape would be excellent. I need that same face though. I love it. Oh yeah, I, I took a picture of him. Don't worry. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm in a fucking top hat. 